welcome everybody to Cultivating Change with Martin Mayorga and his trusty sidekick, Nikki Mayorga. Say hello, Nikki, who doesn't have a mic who has to yell because he's the producer that can't figure out how to get the third mic to work. So uh, today we have Melanie. And Melanie is our quality assurance specialist with Mayorga Organics. We're here uh, at the Maryland facility in our corporate headquarters and distribution center and roasting plant and offices and cupping lab and chia processing center and why don't you tell us a little bit about you so they can come directly from the source okay hi podcasters i'm melanie um i have a food science degree from university of maryland um i moved to the area about a year and a half ago and i incessantly contacted Martin until I got in touch with him because I really liked um, my organics and everything that we stood for and I wanted to become a part of the team so I wore him down (laughs) I got in and I've been working here um, for a little under a year that's right I do remember you used many sources of communication (laughs) to reach out to me LinkedIn email maybe text maybe others but I actually respect and appreciate that because I think it shows that you want to see things through. So I'm glad you did that. (laughs) And, you know, ultimately your role is to focus on the food safety, the quality of the product, and the compliance of the company. Can you talk a little bit about that and what we do as a company and in a fun, exciting way? (laughs) (laughs) Compliance is not that podcast worthy. Um, (laughs) I do. So we're a safe quality food certified facility, which is a third party um, kind of volunteer program um, under the Global Food Safety Initiative. Uh, So we put ourselves through the ringer and get that certification so that we can be the best that we can be. So that's one thing I take care of is our SQF certification. Which is ultimately, I guess, the highest food safety standard you can have for any company that does food right that's correct yeah um obviously we're an organic certified company so i deal with our organic certifications our kosher certification non-gmo um and then the other side of what i do is kind of fda fda yeah who else comes in and drops by (laughs) that's about it right i think that's it state fda yep um And the other side of what I do is the quality. So I check, uh, I make sure that all of our processes are adhering to proper quality and um, I do quality checks. Uh, For instance, with our coffee, I check the color periodically every day to make sure that the, for instance, the Cafe Cubano that you bought last month and the one you bought today are gonna be the same color and the same level of satisfaction. And that's what I do as fun as possible. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. And then with Chia, we do the um, we use one of the only organic-approved sterilization methods. Yes, we have a NeoPure machine, which was very exciting when we got it in. Um, we the we take the chia seeds, we run it through um, this machine that applies an organic solution to it, and then it dries it. Uh, almost immediately so there's no like residuals left and that allows for any science nerds out there a four log reduction which basically means our 
chia is guaranteed to be 99.9% free of any microbial activity. 99.9? 9? 99.99, four yeah. log, four nines. Okay, I missed the nine. Mm -hmm. Gotta keep every nine out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, and actually not only do we do that, we have, to my knowledge, the only closed system that goes straight from sterilization into retail pack. So there's wow. no exposure. Most people that are sterilizing chia specifically, they're doing it at origin or they're doing it in a separate facility, which we don't do because what's the point of sterilizing offsite when anything can happen in transit? Right. So one of the things that we do that, to my knowledge, nobody else is doing is sterilize on site and have a closed system where we can then go right into packaging, which maybe most people don't care about, but I feel like if we're going to spend the insane amount of money we spent on that machine and on the solution, we should make sure that it's the most effective possible. So what about on any, um, you know, it's an industry and, and our products are, we're not a company that's doing a lot of new product development per se within what we do and the products that we sell, but there are any new projects or any new product types that we're looking at and, and messing around with that are of interest to you? Absolutely. Uh, I've been very involved with our cacao project, so stay tuned everyone. We'll hopefully have cacao um, easily by the end of this year, probably mm -hmm. sooner. Uh, and I've been, so cacao is kind of interesting because there's not really an industry standard of quality, uh, unlike coffee, which has like the SCA and the Q grader system. So my project is to create a standard for us that we can apply to any of our incoming cacao and hopefully spread out to anyone who needs a system or a jumping off point and um, create that standard for the industry. Uh, so I've gone to Honduras to see how some co-ops have done it. I've worked with uh, the Fine Cacao and Chocolate Institute, FCCI, a little bit and got trained by them. And I'm going to agglomerate all of my knowledge into one system that we can um, enact before we get cacao in the door so that we can give you the best quality product possible. You know, ultimately, it's interesting. One of the reasons cacao is very exciting for me is I see cacao today where coffee was right when I was getting into it. Complete mess. Right. You know, and the fact that really it's just a traded commodity. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of cool words used. I saw an interesting one today that I was laughing at, which was... Uh, Damn, what was the term? The, um, oh. it was like indigenous quality. It's something really like with just absolutely no common Ceremonial sense. quality. Yeah, it was ceremonial it. quality cacao. <laughs> I was like, what the hell does that mean? And it just shows that, you know, the industry just has this very open system where it's just not open as far as honest, but open as far as like say whatever the hell you want and mm -hmm. people will believe it. And right now the true reality of cacao being traded is that it's a commercial, you know, commercialized commodity. And even there's words used like fine cacao. I mean, there's elements that, that will make cacao fine cacao and it's typically just the variety you use and, and then a little bit of how you process it. Mm -hmm. But there's no quantifiable way to find out what the quality really is. And in coffee, you talked about the standards and we have cupping scores and we have defect counts and we have profiling. And right, everything has a number to it with coffee. Right, you can mm -hmm. have a quantifiable number that once people go through training and the, the certification for cupping, you can calibrate and really you know, have a, a, a standard that can be replicated. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and cacao is missing that and there are people trading right now in quote unquote fine cacao that they claim to have a better supply chain for and in my opinion using a lot of buzzwords and using a lot of you know unquantifiable things that they just use to be able to upcharge mm -hmm. and what we're trying to do is really just create a standard of, of quality that is quantifiable and that you can back and that will ultimately show up in the product will taste better because it's that higher quality right and on the other hand uh, because there's no standards and not necessarily all farmers are well trained in, in what to look for with cacao uh, any buyers who don't really care about the farmers can say well this isn't a good product so we're gonna cut you know however much cents off Exactly. off our purchase and um, of course that's what we're fighting against and that's the whole purpose of our company so and we fight against that in coffee already and mm -hmm. there's already standards and there's already quality that's defined but the games are just never endless whether it's a coffee importer roaster claiming the cupping was actually one point less and then really what they're trying to do is negotiate down and you know the, the manipulation is everywhere and with cacao it's like you're saying it's even worse because there's no thing you can stand on and be like, no, it is it is this quality. And just say, oh, okay, well, how much are you willing to pay me now? Right. You know, we do these cut tests, which they basically cut a cacao bean, look at it, and say, okay, the fermentation went well. It's not moldy. And, and that's it's, about it. And it's not damaged, really, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So it's very visual, and ultimately what we're trying to do is get that, that uh, tasting profile down. And one of the things that I like that we do and that I think – we do well and it reflects in the fact that in Q, you know, quality assurance and what you do, you've also already, within, how long have you worked here already? About Here I've worked uh, a little under a year and a half. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in a year and a half you've been to two countries, right? For yes. my organ. And, you know, I think one of the things that is important for us is the quality, I always say quality starts at the farm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's rare for a company like ours to have the quality assurance people at origin. You know, you spend a very intense week in Honduras really learning on the cacao side with a very good group that I've been working with for about eight years. And then our cooperative, the Capucas folks that we're basically like family with. And, you know, learning about Cascara and all the different things they're doing. They're doing honey and, you know, really evolve as a co-op. So I would think one of the things for you that's a little bit exciting is being able to also impart the quality side and also have the conversation at the origin rather than just saying, oh, we got this cacao in and it's good or not good or we got this coffee in and right. you know, talk a little bit about how like that helps you or that what that means to consumers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pivotal to know the whole system from the farm to when it reaches our door. Um, I can learn from them, they can learn from me. Uh, if, if a sample comes in and I can tell a certain you know, minor defect, and I can bring it back to the farmer and help them out calibrate the machinery or something that'll mitigate that defect, then that's huge for them because they're selling to other people and they're trying to get the best price and we want them to get the best price. Um, and on the other hand, I can learn from them. I mean, I, I knew about coffee. I'd learned about coffee in school, actually, before I started working here, but you don't really understand it until you see it. Yeah. And to go um, to, to, I, to, I went to Peru last summer and to Honduras recently, and uh, to be able to see how these co-ops work, see how the farms work, and really, you know, get into the process and visually 
understand everything, um, it's, it's really huge. Yeah, I think also it's, um, you came in at a time where obviously we have many years under about of working with a lot of these producers and one of the things that I always say that we don't reject coffee because our producers know what we expect and it's been the years of fine-tuning mm -hmm. you know I always laugh when I see a lot of uh, even small competitors obviously the big guys do this where they cup and they're looking for defects they're looking for do we accept this coffee or do we not for us cupping's almost become a formality because the system is so developed where you know, when we're buying at a certain price from a certain producer, we know Max in Guatemala is going to send us that 85 cup or 84 cup, whatever, mm -hmm. and it's going to, and it's clean and the defect counts. I mean, everything is just so locked in that the the quality, you know, the quality control is almost not really relevant here. It's more of this assurance process of like, yep, it checks out, you know, move forward. Yeah, absolutely. In a year and a half of being in charge of the all the green samples coming through the door, I've never had to reject anything. And, and not that I'm looking for it anyway, but we have that relationship with our farmers that we don't really need to reject because they know what we're looking for and we get a great quality product from that. Yeah, ultimately, I think the only time we've ever had issues is if like there was a container that leaked and, you know, in transit and seawater got into it and right. we saw it, you know, in the sacks or whatever. But that's, to me, that's a really nice thing where we can impart the quality. And a lot of times, the pre-shipment samples, we're cupping personally. I'm there, Claddy's there, like one of us, Eduardo's heading out to Indonesia next week. And, you know, we spend a lot of time, money, and effort in aligning at Origin to make sure the quality is there. It's not just like this, you know, photo op, which is where a lot of people in the industry are using it for. It's like, let's go there and take pictures. Right. We go there year-round to make sure quality and consistency is there. And then, yeah, I have conversations that I get engaged in, which is financing and diversification and efficiencies and better agronomy and technification and all those things. And I think that's a big element of what makes us unique as a small company, being able to compete on a pretty big scale. I mean, our competitors are not small companies by any means. They're not medium companies by any means. Most of them have already tried to buy us out because they can't figure out what we do and they'd just rather buy us. And I just haven't had any interest in selling the company. So, you know, I think that's an important uh, thing to recognize and I think it makes your role important. And I think as we evolve and grow, which we're really kind of going into the next phase of pretty fun and interesting growth, it'll mm -hmm. bring some stress here and there. I mean, we're building a facility in Miami that is slightly bigger than this one. And we have some pretty lofty goals for what we want to do there and then uh, in uh, Latin America as well, where I think there's some countries that need better milling and exporting and processing, and I think we just have to go and figure it out. What about, you know, so as far as, you obviously had some, some uh, experience in food safety in, in a different company, and coming to Mayorga with the expectations that you may have had under the mindset of your role, your what you would be doing, is there anything different about actually being here versus what you would have expected? Is it, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? Like what your expectations may have been for like a, a company that, you know, companies see, I mean, people see companies from the outside, like it's a company, it's like this entity, it's this faceless thing mm -hmm. and you have expectations. What's different having had almost a year and a half under your belt now versus what you expected? Um, I think my orga 
and you've touched upon this a little bit, my room puts out an impression that we're a lot bigger than we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and r- the reality is, like, we're, you know, roughly 40 people, 8 or 10 people in the office. Like, we're not big. And um, so I came in expecting a very regimented job description. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I end up wearing a million hats, uh, which I love. It, like, it keeps me on my toes. It's, it's always an interesting day. Um, but that's definitely... I think the most surprising thing, I didn't realize we're, we're the largest organic grocery on the East Coast, I believe. Yep, until and we open Miami, and then that will be the until, <laughs> until we open up another one. Um, and and we're, we have very little manpower behind it, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, I think I mean, that's a purpose, purposeful thing. I mean, there's two elements to it. Number one, I've always kept the ownership of the company lean so that I don't want to answer to anybody. I mean, I do things as a business owner that banks and investors would freak out about. Because I do things that I know are positioning us to be better for our producers and our, and our customers. I'm not focused on profit first. The profit will come if you're intelligent and yeah, I don't do reckless things. I just have different expectations. I believe that if there's an opportunity, you create the solution for it and then you'll benefit. Chia was a majorly risky thing that we did you know, six years ago where we didn't really have the financial strength to get behind these producers, and we did it. You know, we took a big risk, and now we're doing four million pounds of chia. And, you know, we're making a big impact in a lot of lives. You know, over 350 farmers are benefiting from it. So to your point, I think keeping it lean, keeping it effective, and really keeping it focused on the company purpose, which, you know, I I think, about three years ago was really what I decided to start focusing on when I interviewed. And I remember when we interviewed, it was in the cupping lab back, yes. you know, and, yeah. um, and that's always my thing. I don't care if you're in quality assurance, I don't care if you're a roaster, I don't care if you're a driver. My big thing is do you care about the company's purpose or do you believe it's important? Some people have a different aspect to it, maybe because they're from these countries. Some people actually saw their family in the coffee or ag- agronomy world struggle. Some people just realize, you know what, the supply chain is so screwed up right. and it's not fair even to the consumers because mm-hmm. consumers are hearing great stories and they think their money's being well spent. Maybe it's not. Right. How about that aspect for you? Like, how do you see your role versus the company's purpose, which, you know, to the average consumers, like, well, well, how does a quality assurance person have anything to do with this lofty purpose of, you know, eliminating systemic poverty in Latin America? How do you see your role? Your role impacting that? Well, quality and safety straddle so many aspects of the business. You're kind of involved in everything. Um, So on the consumer end, I'm making sure the consumers have the best product and that, and I work very closely with our VP of operations to streamline things. And we know we're getting really good quality product, but we also know that we can um, pay the farmer what they deserve. And our real spec is 80 to 83 plus. Yeah, so. we, we're always well above 80. And it's funny because uh, this new, the new hipster world has defined specialty now as 85. I guess they've taken it upon really? themselves to redefine it. But just everybody knows specialty coffee is 80. We're typically in the 83 range. Some of our coffees go up to 85. But we believe that the bulk of coffee that's grown by our producers is going to be in that you know, low 80s, and that's where we really help them to uh, get the, the scale. And honestly, where most consumers actually benefit. 
because most commercial coffee is below an 80. Yeah, so I think that's, you know, that's an important element for me. And one of the things I try to do as the person running the business is how do I make sure that the individuals that we bring on board are great at what they do, but also do it under the umbrella of how important and powerful our purpose is as a company. Because my opinion is, if we all sit at the table with our different roles, different experiences, different, we have a very diverse group of people, not only culturally, but just in our roles and everything we do, what can kind of cement everything together? And to me, it's that company purpose. And it's not me expecting you to look at it from my point of view, having grown up in Nicaragua, Guatemala, Costa Rica, and the moments that I had that really stuck with me. It uh, made me have to start this company as a necessity. But also more just, you know, you as a scientist and you as somebody who is more technical, how do you then impart that knowledge into helping us achieve the purpose? And, and like you said, it's critical, right? I mean, if we don't have quality in food safety, you're putting consumers at risk and you're actually not helping your producers evolve and grow because you're basically accepting mediocrity and you're accepting commercialized quality. Mm-hmm. And I think when you push the quality and demand up, everybody kind of comes up with it. So. Well, we were talking about some project a few months ago, and you said, I'm good at A to Z, and I need you to do B through Y. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that pretty much sums it up. Like, if we all play to our strengths and understand uh, where we're lacking, then you create a really good team. And if everyone's working around the purpose, uh, then you're going to make something great. Yeah, and you don't get stuck in the like pettiness of sometimes human nature. Can people can get into the stupidest things, and I don't see that happening here because I think we all realize that we're contributing to something bigger than us, and we're really supporting people and communities way outside of this. And it's funny because I get to see it a lot, and part of the reason that I like you guys going to Origin is to be able to see that. You know, you just came back from Honduras, and you're laughing how. Oh no, Aaron was saying on Instagram she saw that. Claudia calls Pedro Uncle Pedro. Yeah. But that's like, she's known him since she was in her early 20s. I mean, that's like the relationship, you know, and, and we truly have relationships with, with our producers and our people, and, and we impact them. We impact them ideally continually in a positive light. And I think if we all know that, we all know we can move forward. And yeah, we have our moment. It's like a family, right? You have your little like glitches and your misunderstandings and your arguments. and. But ultimately, I think people remember, like, okay, I'm here for something bigger, and it's this little issue or incident isn't about me. It's just about pushing through and moving forward. Right. What other things do you think we should be doing as a company as far as, like, product development or anything interesting within our wheelhouse? Well, we already have um, Cascara in the mix, which I'm really excited about. And speaking of the personal touch, when I was down in Honduras, Pedro just handed me a Ziploc bag, like a gallon-sized bag of Cascara, and was like, oh, here's the pre-shipment sample. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> like, what I Saving the postage, so. I um, actually, a lot of times I'll be cupping at Origin, and it's like the pre-shipment thing, and I'll just take a selfie with a thumbs up, and I'm like, approved. <laughs> you know, where most companies have like a very like procedural way to do things. and. It's, we still achieve the same thing. Here's the quality assurance person getting the pre-shipment sample, and mm-hmm. now you can prove it. So Yeah, I think, and I think there's a lot of great potential for us. Uh, we are, a lot of people might not know this, we are an allergen-free facility, so I don't foresee uh, any you know, nuts or gluten or anything in our future, but we can you know, get in beans, we can get in various grains, um, 
you know, any anything really in the dry commodities line, I yeah. think, is open game for us, especially if it's originated in Central and South America, since that's where we spend most of our investment. Exactly. And for me, the whole goal is, is to decommoditize these commodities, right? Mm-hmm. To find the better, you know, quality-focused cooperatives and groups. We don't work with big family farms that are, you know, kind of estates, because those, those are typically very wealthy people. We don't work with the... Um, you know, basically the, the wealthier farmers, we, we look for the smaller, disadvantaged, more kind of ignored and historically taken advantage producer of producers. And we work with them in cooperatives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you saw that in Honduras with this cacao cooperative who has exploded in the last eight years. I mean, last time I saw them, they were just dabbling. They're, they realized that coffee was so problematic that they had to create this cacao focus to the point where now it's just... It's massive. And they did it really well, yeah. Yeah, and they're getting into being the bar, and they're doing really cool stuff, and and they're doing it technically. They're not just kind of, you know, figuring it out on the fly. They're very technical about it. So, I agree. I think um, keeping the quality high and keeping the processes safe, and you know, focused on consumer safety is going to allow us to really do some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, one thing I'd love to see us get into and this is the first time I'm mentioning it, so sorry if I'm putting you on the spot, is uh, like the spice trade. Yeah. It changes hands so much, and it's like coffee and cacao where the farmers are really taken advantage of, and um, it's like a big bulk market, and the consumers get these little, you know, not even two-ounce vials of spices for way too much money. Yeah, it's funny, actually. it's something that could really be cut down on. I agree completely. I'm actually helping, kind of quasi-mentoring a a spice startup that's trying to disrupt the supply chain but it's the same old issue which is like it requires a lot of money and you have to get into the bulk game to make a difference right mm-hmm. you know for us with coffee we couldn't really make the impacts we make now when we started because I couldn't even fill a container and once you can do container load once you can get efficiencies it's like it just kind of snowballs and the the impact you can make right and I agree, I think there's a lot of, uh, I mean, we have a lot of people always trying to sell us cardamom and pepper, lemongrass. I mean, we have, a, and I'm all about diversification, not only for us as a company for revenue and for, for offerings, but for farmers. Right. You know, I think, personally, my personal opinion, coffee is just, I mean, it's like a, a slow death for producers. You have a monoculture that's predicated on a market that you have absolutely nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. The weather, you know, the trade is basically dominated by multi-billion dollar entities. It's just it's a major crapshoot with your life, you know, with your family's income. So for me, yeah, I would love to do more. And, uh, and that's why I'm, 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 we're dabbling in the beans. And, you know, for me, organic is always going to be top of mind and what I'd like to do and, and what I want to focus on. But um, In monoculture and or the diversity and organic go hand in hand because monoculture is partially the reason why pesticide use increased so much yeah. because there weren't the, like all the natural defenses were stripped yeah I mean we were fortunate when we go to Costa Rica our our partner's farm is next door to not next door but it's down the street from a conventional farm and they always pull over on the way and you look at the soil and like the roots are exposed mm-hmm. the soil is basically just like a it just it's just there to hold roots and all the nutrition and everything that those plants get have to come from chemicals because it's been just completely eradicated of anything nutrient. You go to these guys from uh, to Las Lajas, and it's like this like rich, moist, like 
almost peat mossy kind of soil uh, topsoil because they've put in natural inputs and they've managed it with you know the warm composting and you know some very natural things so I agree I think I think I would love to see like my dream is to have like all permaculture farmers like almost like this very kind of natural wild uh, diversified farm that produces a lot of things we're playing around with vanilla Costa Rica we're playing around with different things Vanilla so, would be awesome. Yeah, vanilla yeah. is cool. It's a pretty flower, too. It's a very mm-hmm. nice looking. It's an orchid, for those who don't know. I didn't know. <laughs> I've seen it. It, just, it was a pretty white flower. Mm-hmm. Hibiscus is another one that we're playing with with our Honduran friends. Nice. Uh, hibiscus tea is really good. Yeah. Full of antioxidants. So, yeah, we're definitely dabbling. So, we'll keep you busy trying to learn new uh, <laughs> Great. potential uh, things that we have to protect our consumers from if we get into products that. Uh, you know, or diversified, but it will be interesting at least and fun along the way. Always. So remember, kids, food safety can be fun. <laughs> <laughs> at least if you're with my orga. Anything else you want to add or end with or? No, thank ask you for having me. You want to ask Nick anything? <laughs> Nick, he's like he's the genius behind the scenes. Nobody really knows what he does. He's playing video games on the computer all the time. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming in, although you work right outside of the office here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for walking over. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody. Say bye, Nikki.